Hello and welcome to a special edition of Talking TV, brought to you from the Broadcast Digital Awards 2017. We're here at the Brewery in East London, where we will be revealing all of the winners of the Broadcast Digital Awards and speaking to some of them, including the creators of BBC Three's Murder and Successville and American High School. That's all coming up on Talking TV. The winner of the Best Entertainment Programme was Murder and Successful. Hello, I'm Tom Davis. I am the actor, writer and producer of Murder and Successful. Uh, I play D.I. Sleet and this is... James DeFrond, I'm the director. Congratulations, two years in a row. Yes. And you beat Love Island. How the hell did that happen? Man, I, you know what? In a straight up battle, me versus Caroline Flack, I was not really, I wasn't backing my chances. I felt, I was just looking at the UFC boys there and I was thinking I was a bit like McGregor versus Mayweather. I think they get it next year. They, they got the wave of it this year and, and obviously it's for the last season, so. Do you think your show is slightly raunchier than theirs? We pushed up the stuff of, <laughs> you know, the sexual tension between maybe me and Emma Bunton and me and Vicky Patterson. James is always trying to get me to get my clothes off. It's a true thing. Ever since we've started in this industry, he's funny with no clothes on. He's got a very funny shaped body. My wife, that's how I, that's how I got my wife. I have a flat bum and a big, well, I had a big stomach. But uh, yeah, it's going down. So you mentioned Vicky, you mentioned Emma and, and equally, you know, Chris Kamara. What do the three of them have in common? Those three and Mark, just all up for a laugh. I mean, it's a joy of a show to make. I can't tell you enough. And me and James, we, we've been in this from the, from the start. And, you know, never has a show required so many different people to make it what it is. And that goes right through the cast to the crew, to James and the guys, you know, the, the DIP, Roy Estabrook, Avril Spare, you know, we have an amazing group of people and it is a joy of a thing to make, it really is. And, and really I think when people come on board, the, the ethos we have is, you know, you've got two days with us, come and have a great time, have a laugh. And Chris and Mark and uh, Emma, Vicky, they all just come along and they, they're just brilliant. And that's, that's the joy of making this show. Is it a joy, James? It is a joy. It's the hardest show you'll ever, ever make. We're making a show in two days. You normally have about six or seven, and we're filming three cameras at the same time. It's so hard for the whole team. It only works because everyone's brilliant at what they do. We're all looking at a monitor, and we're crying with laughter, and there's not a lot of comedy that you make where you're really, really belly laughing, and, and it's a joy to be part of that. So who are you going to rope in for next season? I don't know if we've got one. They really haven't told you you've got another season? We, we've done a third series and the third series has been out and it's done really well. I'd love to make more. I'd make this show until I die It's, it's you know, and probably will die doing this yeah, show. We, we thought it would be the last one and it was so hard, the third series, because we have no time and no money. But the end product is always so funny. We're interested in taking the style of comedy to the big screen. I think if we can do that, that could be, uh, could be a lot of fun. You know, the improvisation, the leaving the laughs in, the corks in, the shoulders going. No one's done that before. So if we can take Sleet and give him a movie journey, that could be, could be a lot of fun for everyone. So talk to me about Shiny Button. You guys have, have just set that up yeah. and you've got your first commission. That seems really exciting. Yeah, it's massive for us. And yeah, we've got our first commission there. And you know, it's... it's to be fair, Broadcast was a massive part of the fact that, you know, they've been very supportive of what we've done. And us winning an award here last year was kind of like, was like a sort of signature of like, you know, we're sort of doing something right. Me, James and Andy want to make programmes that we enjoy. I think that's the thing that we're fortunate enough to have been working with. I've worked with James now for 10 years. So to work as th three guys who just want to make programmes that we enjoy making, it's just something really beautiful, you know, and I, th I think our friendship is... He's is lost uh, two and a half stone <laughs> in training for Action Team, which is our next commission. Yeah, what can you tell us about the show? ITV2. It's, it's a big espionage spy spoof. Uh, it's about four secret agents working for the British government trying to save the world. And it's full of car chases and 
fight sequences and stunts, but it's as silly as murder. It's our stamp on sort of born identity and taken and and Bond and all the modern day action movies. Are we going to be in a position where BBC Three and ITV Two are sort of battling out for best digital show? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, let's <laughs> see what happens. Barcroft TV won best original web channel. I'm Sam. I'm the founder of Barcroft TV. I'm Olivia. I work in development at Barcroft TV. Hi, I'm Hannah Stevens. I work in editorial at Barcroft. So, congratulations. You finally beat Vice. How did that feel? I feel like um, Donald Trump and Melania, really. <laughs> in the way that it's about bloody time. And you didn't expect it? Uh, not really. Well, yes, really, actually. Because the thing is, when you look at the numbers, it's kind of obvious. I didn't really have my hot chisel down. So very similar to the Trump presidency, the data suggested you were going to win, but you were still a little bit ambivalent whether you might. We got our polls wrong. So we won with more style than Trump. We were a little less orange. You're the new hipsters in town. Well, old. I'm feeling a bit old. I've got a new ball patch. But you've got a young development team. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. Let's talk three million, do we call them viewers? Three million subscribers, three million people who are watching Barcroft TV. That's hit a, a margin. Is, is that the number? We've got about four and a half million subscribers across our network and um, we get about 100 million views a month on our network. So we, we're speaking to a lot of people. Yeah. What does that entail for you guys? A lot of hard work and dedication and passion for what we produce and producing stuff that gives people an insight into something that they don't ordinarily see and it gives us the chance to work on things that we're passionate about and we get to share stories with the world that most people wouldn't get to see on a daily basis. Best digital children's content was won by Zodiac's The Secret of Boys. I'm Beryl Richards, I directed The Secret Life of Boys. And I'm Stephen Andrew and I'm the executive producer on Secret Life of Boys. Congratulations for Best Digital Children's Content. So talk to us about the show, why do you think it resonated with the judges? Well, I imagine it might be because it's a completely new sort of format. So it's using a sort of uh, sitcom terrestrial format, but it was originated very much with digital content and interactivity in mind, and it grew those two things together, and I don't really think we've seen anything quite like that before. Did you have to learn a new language when you were producing the show? Yeah, we had to create a new language in order that we could actually understand each other when we were trying to write it. And it was actually very complicated in terms of understanding scripts. We got used to it, but every time someone new started, they got a bit confused. So how did you do that in the, in the production? It basically were two teams. There's an interactive team and there was the, sort of the comedy drama team, if you like, and the writers. And we all sat in a room and we talked about what we thought the ambitions to be. So we shared a lot of stuff. We showed a lot of stuff. And we talked about, OK, what sort of things do we want? And we slowly but surely found grammar for that. And we talked about, OK, how are we going to achieve that? So we wanted things like push button punchlines or whatever it may be. And we said, OK, now we need to figure out how to achieve that. And when we figured out what we wanted, we then had to go back to the writers to say, OK, what you need to do is you need to write this and you need to write this in and you need to write this in so yeah it was a really interesting process but because it was a fabulously collaborative process because it had to be and I think what's interesting for us is sometimes in the past when we've done digital content you sort of get a digital team over here and you get another sort of team over here we were absolutely one integrated team from the get-go and that made a big difference. Is there a sense that the kids business itself is actually doing things that innovate way more than perhaps some of the traditional adult genres and as you say you're doing lots of lots of digital 
push along and play along things and, and it's probably slightly unnoticed. I think it's absolutely the forefront really because and that is to do with the audience and certainly our feedback uh, as far as I've heard it is that the reason it's become successful with the audience is because of its interactivity and that's what they really appreciate a lot and that's led them into the content. And you were given a bumper second season order. I mean, that doesn't often happen, uh, so you must have been quite chuffed with that, yeah? Yeah, it must have done something right, huh? <laughs> and BBC Children's just this week was given a huge boost by the BBC, Tony Hall announcing that, that £34 million of added investment into the area of, of a, perhaps an, an industry, a sector that isn't necessarily given the, the money it deserves. Yeah, there's been a recent sort of news story as well about all the other channels not paying up to support that. But is that good for you? I mean, presumably as, as kids producers, you must welcome the idea of more money into the sector. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity to serve our audience better, which I think, as you, I think you're right, it's overlooked as an audience and it's not in the sort of forefront of people's minds. But I think that's very short-sighted. One has to be a bit careful that it's fantastic that the BBC are putting more money in and, and that's wonderful. But there are, there are other areas and Disney as well also started to put more money into original production. So it's good to see that the children's industry that was very vibrant, that had a bit of a doldrums, is really beginning to pick up and that investment is going to make a massive difference to our industry. Channel 5 won Best Popular Factual Programme for Sexpod. Congratulations on the win for Sexpod. I think Sexpod might be the first show to have won a broadcast award that is built around advice such as how to safely engage in fisting. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably so. But I think there's not the best thing about it. It's like you could actually have that conversation on a TV show and give people a relevant answer. Absolutely. I mean, they're all questions that people brought to us. They wanted to know the answer to them. And that when we first started making the show, it was all about, OK, we'll answer any question you want to bring to us. Why do you think such questions connected with the audience? I think it's really important for that particular audience to know that there's a place they can go to that isn't just porn, essentially, to find out their answers. I think, you know, that's why we get the educational angle, because they can come and watch this programme and understand actually what the truth of it is. I hear you had a lawyer on hand to make sure that footage was editorially justifiable, is that right? <laughs> there was a lawyer who at various points said mm, maybe we needed to remove the odd shot here and there. Being kind of quite serious about it, actually the shots we used were always shots that showed exactly what the experts were talking about, so they added to the whole educational nature. And uh, you beat Vice, who were up in two, uh, two shows. Did you beat them in their own game? When we were in the category, I gen generally thought I, I could see the other, when we saw the other shows that were nominated and you sort of think, oh, actually, slightly more highbrow as well and talking about stronger issues. But actually, but then when the awards was announced and they said, oh, it's funny and educational, you think, oh, yeah, actually, that's what the aim was. And so the fact that it was captured by those that awarded it is great. Channel 4's Rio 2016 Paralympics won Best App or Website. Hello, I'm Jimmy Rutherford from Channel 4, representing the Paralympics. Congratulations on the win. Up to 10 concurrent live streams and more than 700 hours of additional content. How the hell did you do that? Well, I mean, it's quite a technical infrastructure you have to put in place, and 
But that's kind of all part of the business. I think the step change we made in 2012 meant that we had to continue with that in 2016. You know, we didn't want to sort of move backwards from London. So Rio came along and we thought, do you know what's in a different time zone? People might want to consume the content when they're in bed. You know, it was happening very late at night. So let's give them something to watch, whatever it is. Was there a bit of a challenge, as you say, that the London Games were such a huge event for Channel 4 that, that you really needed to innovate to get the viewers' attention? It was always a risk, you know, I mean, London was London and home games is great. I think everyone was enthused because it was in Britain and, you know, GB athletes performing very well. So I think we all thought that when Rio came around, are they going to engage again in the same way? I think we just thought about the content in a different way. Like I say, the time zone's a factor. So one of the things we did was create a digital breakfast show that you could catch up with the evening sport. So, you know, if things are happening at one o'clock in the morning, you don't have to stay up for it. You can get a kind of quick digest in the morning through Facebook, Twitter, even on the channel4.com website. And it's just a very easy way to engage with it. So I think it's about, it's the same, the same content, the same heroes performing and bringing home medals for the country, but just in a different time zone. So how do you deliver that for the audience? Is this the digital standard now for, for sports coverage for you? I think there's an expectation from any sporting audience. I think you take on anything like you know, Champions League, Olympics, Paralympics, I think generally the audience will expect a, a digital service of some standard. It doesn't help that the BBC have been doing such great things for such a long time. They've really set the standard and you know, hopefully we can kind of get up to that level. True Tube's Refugee won Best Scripted Online Short. My name's Adam Tyler from TrueTube. My name's Bob Ayres, I'm also from TrueTube. So congratulations, Refugee won Best Scripted Online Short. It's not necessarily a platform that, that we know that well. Can you put it into context to some of our readers? Okay, so TrueTube is a project of CTVC Limited, which is funded by the Rank Foundation. And we make short films for schools, for teachers to use in mainly PSHE, citizenship and RE lessons. And it's an incredibly ambitious project. So talk to us, how did it come about? We knew we wanted to do something on the topic for our captive audience in classrooms across the country. We conceived of the idea of a British family fleeing their homes and then gradually the other elements evolved from there, telling it in reverse. It's a very expansive experience, obviously. There are a lot of facets to it and we wanted to make sure that our film did justice to that. You're asking people to connect both with the experience but also the journey. Was it complicated to produce? Was it complicated to actually make? Well, as you said, it's, it's kind of we wanted kids to connect to the experience. It was an exercise in empathy. Once we'd come up with that idea and we come up with the telling the story in reverse idea, that all felt very right and it kind of flowed from there. In terms of finding locations and getting stuff for the amount of money we could afford, that was the complicated part of the uh, process. Because Channel 4 documentaries that have tried this cost half a million pounds. Uh, ours did not cost half a million pounds. We had a very, very talented assistant producer, a man called Jonathan Green, on the production, and he, he is just a wizard managing to get locations for very little money and charming people to allow us to use uh, places that we wouldn't otherwise get access to. Is it something that you want to produce in-house yourselves and do, do more of this, or are there opportunities for, for other people to come to you with ideas? We tend to produce stuff in-house, but we're a charity, and if people want to come to us with ideas, we always talk to them. Yes, absolutely. Best digital video platform or service, ITV Hub. I'm Steve Ford, Director of Product and Marketing at the ITV Hub. Paul Canarak, Group Director of Online. I'm Faz Aftab. I'm the Commercial Director in Online at ITV for ITV Hub. Congratulations on the win. So what has changed for ITV Hub since November 2015? 
Well, we have a brand new service. ITV has had a, an on-demand service for at least the last 10 years, and I think it's fair to say that many of our competitors had uh, taken further steps forward than we had, but we've been working so hard for the last five years to get the service turned around and to make it more and more delightful for our audiences. The ITV Hub launch was that moment in time when everybody could take a new look, a fresh look at the service, and it's been a wonderful experience, made all the more uh, enjoyable by the response from our audience and the way that they have supported and enjoyed using the service in record numbers. So you're on nearly 20 platforms. Are there any left? More than 20, actually. We're nearly on 30 platforms. Distribution is key. I would say we're on all the platforms, the right platforms where we should be. The next challenge for us is how do we make our content prominent on those platforms. So distribution never ends because it's all about making your content available to people only one click away. And that's our mantra. So you've got the, the distribution you need and how do you then get those platforms to distribute in the way that you want? So that's a very good question. We have an excellent team and excellent relationships with all the distribution partners. That's the likes of Google and Amazon and Apple and, and we work very closely with them and we've developed those through the years as, as Paul said over the last five years we've been on a, on a journey. We talk to these guys on a regular basis and it's through those partnerships that we develop the right distribution. How do you get to be on the front page? It's an art, <laughs> and an art we know well. Is it, that's as much as I'm going to say. Is it about content? Is it about having shows that they want to promote to their viewers? Of course, absolutely. We have some of the best content in the world. And, you know, even if we put five clicks in between them and that content, they would find that content. But what we want to do is ease the access to that content. I mean, look at Love Island, right? So Love Island is a perfect example. It's been a huge hit on ITV Hub, going so far as to perhaps even crash the service. Is there anything that you've learned from Love Island that you can use going forward? For us, it's all about content, experience and distribution, as Faz says. What we've learned is that people will crawl over hot coals if you've got all the right content for it. And so you need to make sure that you're delivering that in the right way. The hub hasn't crashed. The sheer weight of numbers of people coming in to watch, watch it is, is something we deal with on a, on a nightly basis. And the unprecedented scale of it hasn't caught us by surprise. It's just been, it's just been enormous for any kind of internet company to deal with. So we, uh, we're dealing with it. You know, learnings will, will always come from all of that sort of stuff. Best digital programme support was won by Big Brother and Celebrity Big Brother. I'm Nick Hall, Digital Director from Enemore Shine UK. Karen Troop, Executive Dig Digital Producer for Big Brother and Celebrity Big Brother for Endemore Shine. And I'm Dave Griffiths, Digital Content Editor for Channel 5. So, huge success on Linear. How do you work with such a brand on digital? So essentially we treat digital as an extension of Linear. We provide coverage online on all of the social media channels and the website and the mobile app outside of the hours of TX. So everything that is not shown on air and even the key pieces that are shown on air, we, we get everything first online. How do you decide what you cover? In the same way that you would decide what to cover editorially for the TV show, we try and cover the key moments, we try and cover the, the key action from the house, the most important things that are happening, and really the things that the fans want to see who are watching at home, just more of the same. You had all sorts of takeovers, you did deals with Unilad, and I know there was behind the scenes footage on Instagram and the like, so how do you decide where that footage goes? I think for us it's about trying to reach the biggest possible audience that we can. We know our audience are very active on all of the different social media channels. So for us it's about trying to make each channel valuable to our audience and trying to find different ways to engage them on the various platforms. 
And, and the show's obviously on twice a year and the current show's on currently at the moment. Is there things that you take from each season that you can then pitch on to the next? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we look at the digital strategy every single year and, and often we will evolve that as the series is on air and as things are changing and as things are happening in the media and in, in just in the real world in general. We, we'll keep moving that strategy along so that we're meeting the needs of our audience as we go. What is the new Instagram? Instagram's the it's new Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> it's Snapchat. I think yeah, Instagram's the new Snapchat. Instagram's yeah. the new Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> BBC Three's American High School won Best Documentary Programme. My name's Marcus Plowright, I'm the director of um, American High School. And I'm Neil Crombie, I'm one of the two execs on American High School. I'm Joe Evans, I'm the other exec. American high schools have been depicted for years on television and film, so what made you want to do this for BBC Three? Well, what we realised was that all of the American high school movies and dramas that you've seen were just full of white characters. There might be one token African-American character, and the basic idea was to do a series that used all of those tropes of the jocks and the and nerds and the lockers and the basketball games and the American football games where every character is African-American and trying to see America in 2016 through their eyes. And it was uplifting and heartbreaking at the same time. Was that done on purpose? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, the incredible stories. I mean, the fork in the road that your senior year at high school, particularly if you're African-American in America, represents. If you graduate, <laughs> your life might be okay. If you fail to graduate from high school, your chances of being in prison, particularly if you're a young African-American male, are, are extraordinary. I mean, it's really, really good. So it's the key moment in their lives where th their, their future is written. And so to capture that moment, and to, for Marcus spent a year out there at that school, really trying to understand all the sort of complexities of race, opportunity, poverty in America through the eyes of a really stellar, beautiful, and lovely cast of young people it was a real honour. There's no commentary on the, on the film, and, and, and that seemed like it was on purpose, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was... It gave it an, it gave it an intimate feel. Was that on... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately, we, we were following the lives of these kids. It was their story, so they needed to voice that film. You know, we needed to be in their lives intimately, so it was a very conscious decision, even from very early on, actually, that we, that we stuck to, which was really nice. How do you follow that up? Follow up the series? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know... Do you, can, are you able to, to go into others, or do you look at other places you can go? I think, I think there's definitely an opportunity to explore that territory within schools, you know, sort of in different, in different segments of the world, basically. They're really, really formative years in teenagers' lives. And, you know, at times when pressures are really high and in the modern age, it really tells you something about the future of the nation and where it's going, so... Plus, kids, kids tell the truth. Yeah. They talk to speak honestly. That's what's so brilliant about them. They speak it like they see it, and they look at the world with quite clear eyes. And to hear them voice their opinions about, you know, what's become Trump's America from a very poor 99% African-American high school, I thought was really interesting. Best sports or live event was BT Sports UFC coverage. My name is Mike Norrish. I'm the digital director at BT Sport. My name's Mark Utting. I'm a producer in the BT Sport digital team. Congratulations. You beat the Rio Olympics. How the hell did you do that? I don't really know. We kind of arrived thinking it was second place. We were nailed on for second place. I think it's probably partially the Conor McGregor effect. We took quite a big team out there. We hit Conor when he was rising in popularity. I think we did a really amazing job. We were there for six days and I think we drove so much awareness in that event that people sort of felt like they needed to tune in 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think what you see with UFC is the first truly social media sport. And everyone knows about the Olympics and everyone knows when it's on. And the UFC, Conor McGregor in particular, have kicked the door down in terms of awareness and they've really no sport is new right so this sport wasn't around 10 years ago and the way that they've gone from nothing to something is just through innovative social media content so we've sort of tapped into that at BT Sport and we've changed the way that we've covered UFC we do it now for a 24-7 social media audience so we cover every platform and in 30 seconds or a minute you know it's very very modern and it's very different it's very disruptive and I think that hopefully that's what the judges saw you've essentially done this as people beating the shit out of each other and people are really interested to watch this but you had a lot of people watching at five o'clock in the morning I think it was over 200,000 people does that social drive that does that social people are watching afterwards but presumably there's a there's a live audience as well the social is completely critical to it and people are up in their own houses or their own bedrooms at five in the morning and the way that they become a community is through social media you know they're not at the game together they're all on their own because it's such an unfriendly time in the UK time zone so to serve that community not just on the night of in November but actually throughout the year is how we build our own presence and and build our own trust and um, kind of advocacy. Is there anything that you can take from what you did with the UFC to other sports in terms of that social and that digital world that, that you've done? Yeah, I mean, we've just signed a, we've just collaborated with uh, Box Nation, so now we um, broadcast boxing. We've started with our No Filter Boxing series, which is a fight week documentary looking at how fighters are preparing for, for their fight, and it's a really candid, honest, we think quite refreshing insight into how these boxers live, train. And this is what we're trying to apply with our UFC learnings, is how to make it a inclusive accessible sport which it might not have been previously yeah we think we're doing that quite well Ardman's we wait one best VR experience I'm Ben Curtis I was the lead producer for we wait I'm Mark Burville I'm the tech director of the interactive department and oversaw the project so congratulations talk to us about the idea how we wait became about it was funded by BBC Connector Studios which is part of their R&D program and the brief that initially came from them was what is the future of storytelling and we wanted to look particularly at how can we build more emotional how can we build greater emotional connections between characters and the viewer we thought that well VR is this new interesting technology this project was kind of initially started around the beginning of 2015 when VR was still relatively new even though it was quite recent all the kind of tropes and themes and traditions of the platform hadn't really been designed at that point it follows a Syrian family as they try and cross the Mediterranean, right? Yeah, it's a story about four Syrians, a family of four that are um, waiting on a beach in Turkey and they're waiting to try and cross the sea over to, to Greece, which is, as I'm sure most people know, a very perilous journey. It's a really exciting area for us because obviously we've got a rich history in, in storytelling and characters and this for us was a chance to actually put the viewer in the same place as those characters and, and see what it feels like to actually be there and listening to their stories as they're telling it to you. So, yeah, it's, it's super exciting for us. And it was Ardman's first experience in the VR world, was it, right? Yeah, we'd done a, we'd done a 360 um, video piece before called Special Delivery for Google Spotlight, but this was our first piece for the Oculus Rift and first piece of proper VR, to speak. Yeah, an interactive VR, yeah. And it just strikes me that the BBC and, and some of the other broadcasters are starting to take this 
seriously. It seems like the BBC, they've launched their app this week. Are there opportunities for producers like yourself? Yeah, I think so. It's still, it's still very early days in VR. There's still kind of lots of opportunity to set and define those tropes and traditions and to, to be the first to do things, which is great. And there's lots of funding opportunities around to, to make really interesting, cool, out there content as well. From broadcasters or brands? From all kinds of different places, really. I think it's still in that kind of honeymoon phase where it's a new, exciting technology and there's lots of opportunity to make good stuff. Yeah. Uh, any of us going to be watching television on our television sets anymore? No, totally the thing of the past, no. That's a wrap from the Broadcast Digital Awards 2017 from here at the Brewery in East London. We will be back shortly with a special 100th episode of Talking TV coming shortly with some special guests. Uh, I'm Peter White, the producers are Chika Ayres and Matt Hill, and we will see you on the other side. Thank you.